Fantastic. As Sam said this morning, um, the message is a, is a journey and I'll paint a picture like walking up a, a rocky path that's uh, a bit tiring, a bit hard work, a few large boulders to climb over, but I assure you the view from the top is worth it. So, um, so I'd really encourage you just to, uh, to, to push on. There might be a little bit of sweating, might be a little bit of, uh, um, yeah, a bit, bit of discomfort, um, but I, I think the destination is so worth it. So um, I'd really encourage you to come with me on the journey. When I was, um, when I was a young adult in my early 20s, I was involved in a, in a group um, that went to uh, Echuca. We, we came under the banner of Scripture Union Theos, Theos. Does anyone know Scripture Union Theos? Has anyone done a Scripture Union Theos? No. Okay. That's okay. Um, some SUFM? Oh, SUFM. That's, a, that's another program they ran. So, so Scripture Union ran two programs. One was, was a, a beach mission program and one was a coffee shop program. They were the, the words that people in the know knew what they meant, but no one else did. Um, the idea of coffee shop, we went on coffee shop to Echuca, was that... Um, a group of 15, 20, 25 young adults would, would pray and prepare and, and arrive in, in Echuca at the end of December and, uh, and spend uh, 10 days to two weeks there um, with the express purpose of sharing the gospel. Uh, Echuca was a town that had a big influx of, of holiday makers uh, over the New Year's time. And so the idea was that uh, as a team, we'd, we'd go up there, we'd spend daytimes in the caravan park and at the basketball court and stuff, hanging out with young people and those that were out and about. And then of an evening, we would set up a location. Um, in this case, it was a hall of a church up there. And we would uh, have uh, pool tables and, and cards and um, t- food. We'd have a band and we'd all share testimonies during the night, just at different random times of, of how amazing God was in our lives. And it was, a, it was an eye-opening experience, it was a challenging experience, it was an awesome experience. But one of the profound things that I remember about Coffee Shop in Echuca is that in Echuca, there are 12 churches. There's 12 churches in Echuca. And this is 20 years ago, so I don't know what the scenario is now. One of the challenges you've got when you come into the place is you want to connect with the local churches, which we did. So each Sunday we were there, we'd divide the team up among the 12 churches and, uh, and send two or three people to each church and then gather back for lunch afterwards. And it was fantastic to just to see the different little churches. But what we realised was those 12 churches had nothing to do with each other. There are at least two Baptist churches in that mix and other denominations as well. But those 12 churches had nothing to do with each other. They wouldn't speak to each other. They wouldn't, they wouldn't com- do any, anything combined. This church over here has a youth group of six people, and that one has a youth group of 12 people. The average number of people in each church was you know, 30, 40, 50 people. And we went, what do we do when someone in the local community says, I love the testimony you're sharing... I want to receive Jesus. Because we realise that we're there for two weeks. We can't disciple them. We can't encourage them. We can't connect them in with community. And we're not just going to leave them high and dry. But which of these 12 churches are we going to connect them to? Because there's a problem. 
Because we're telling them that God loves them. We're telling them that God wants to draw them into his family. And yet his family's fragmented. His family's really disjointed. And so we went, maybe part of our role in this place is to actually provide an opportunity for unity. We started running prayer meetings during the year and inviting the church leaders to come to prayer meetings. We said to this youth group, hey, do you know there's some amazing young Christians over there that you might be able to hang out together? And they started hanging out together as youth groups. It wasn't an easy place. And there was, there was history. I'm not trying to pretend this is simple stuff. But it was clear as an observer that things were not healthy. That where things had got to wasn't representing everything about Jesus. It was a really tough place. And yet, no one in here would be surprised by what I'm saying. If you've been in a church for more than two weeks, you know that unity is a battle. You know that unity is a challenge. You know that it's hard work and we don't always do it well. In fact, I was reminded this week that our heritage as Protestants is fragmented. When you look at this picture, this is a broad picture. There's many more denominations than this, but this is a broad picture of, of denominations splitting. Did they split because they were excited to pioneer something new? They split because they disagreed. They split because there wasn't unity. And, and Peter even pointed out to me something really interesting. It's even in the name. Protesters. Protestants are defined by the fact they protest. That's the name of what Protestants are. It's like, wow, the whole brand of Protestant faith is based on the fact that we're whingers. I'm not, again, that's, that's a simplification of it. But, but we want to protest. We want to disagree. We want to, we want to, um, we want to challenge something. It's like, we've got a problem. There's something in the mix here. There's something in the heritage. There's something in our journey that has been a little bit yuck, a little bit unhealthy, incomplete. We've just started a series, Nathan started last week, um, with an awesome challenge in starting this series about not just taking what I say this morning um, and in this series, but actually being hungry for yourself to receive, hungry for yourself to hear what God wants to say. And I really encourage you in that place because there's going to be some things that I might say this morning that, that um, stir you up, that may be a bit prickly, um, that maybe are confronting or just uncomfortable because they're a little bit too real. You don't have to just take what I say and go, well, if Matt said it, that's how it is. I really want to encourage you to wrestle with this stuff, to, to pray, to seek God, to, to just understand, because there is something beautiful at the end of this story. But to get there, we've got to deal with some, some yucky stuff. And, and I don't want to just tell you the yucky stuff. I want you to, to, um, to speak to the Lord about that and journey with him too.
Because part of looking at our DNA, who we are, what makes us, what it is that we're multiplying, is, is this phrase, a diverse body united in purpose. A diverse body united in purpose. We believe that's something that we have in common. That's something that we carry together, that we want to multiply together, that we want to be pioneers of but also defenders of together. But it's something that would be beautiful just to say, yep, love it, great, thumbs up, let's go ahead. But you and I know that that's not that easy. It's not that easy to to reflect this. In fact, we can pick on the Protestant history. We don't have to go that far back. We can just look at the last eight years of Catalyst Church and say we haven't always reflected this well. We can look at our own lives and say this picture's not always that pretty. This is not an out there, someone else's problem. This is something that we've got to wrestle with. But a diverse body is really interesting because, and also unity, we'll get to united in purpose later, but just unpacking the idea of a diverse body is fascinating because there's a whole bunch of diversity, some things that are good, some things that are bad. Most people would be familiar with the body analogy. We've got here from 1 Corinthians 12, it says, but as it, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so acknowledge that there's different roles, different functions, different purposes amongst us. There is diversity in the body. There's also other sorts of diversity that isn't always that good. We have diversity of sizes. My size is diversity that's not that good. Something I've got to work on. So diversity is not always a beautiful thing. There's other diversity that's neither here nor there. It's fascinating watch people set up on a Sunday morning. Because I can tell you, some people love this room dark, and some people love it light. And even on, a one, on one morning, you can have three changes in the setup of the room. As the first person walks in, they open up all the blinds and let the natural light in and go, yes, fantastic. And someone else walks in and goes, oh dear, someone left the blinds open. I better shut the blinds. And then someone else walks in and goes, oh dear, it's quite dark in here. I better open up the blinds. <laughs> it's, it's quite entertaining to watch. Is, is it right for the blinds to be open or closed? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't read that in scripture. But there's personal taste amongst this. This is not the diversity we're talking about, but that exists too. And that's okay to be a bit different. It's important, though, that when we talk about this diversity, we're talking about diversity in the body. And it's diversity of function, diversity of perspective, uh, uh, perspective, but perspective with purpose. I'll give you an example of a challenging uh, scenario a number of years back in this place. There were three guys that were super excited about reaching the community, passionate about reaching the community. And they all had had a heart for it and, and sought the Lord. One of them was engaged with, with council, with young people in council, and went, there's a skate competition that the council is running, running that we could engage with young people in the community in an amazing way. Another bunch of people went, 
there's an opportunity to connect with dads at a local park. We can connect with dads on a monthly basis at a local park. And the third person went, I'd love to run a festival to get music being a connection between, between people. Music being a way that people can engage with the gospel. Three amazing hearts. Fantastic. At the same time, there was a missions trip to Fiji. And so a bunch of people that were naturally passionate about getting out and sharing God's love were removed from the picture and over in Fiji. I had all three people come up to me afterwards. I was in Fiji, by the way, so I had no idea how, it, how things went down. Um, but afterwards, all three caught up to me extremely disappointed, extremely disappointed. They said there was only two or three people that turned up to the council thing, to the, to the skate competition. They said we had, a, we had a handful of people come up and help at the um, park. And the, and the concert festival space said there were five or six people that came to help. And they said, this church doesn't care about the community. This church doesn't care about the community. And they didn't see the p- picture that I was looking at. I was looking at four scenarios, if you include Fiji, of people reaching out and connecting. Four scenarios of people passionate that all had a level of engagement, but none of them went to each other's activity. All those that were at the park didn't go to the skate competition or to the concert. All those that went to the concert didn't go to the park or to the skate competition. There was a heart, there was a desire, there was a passion. It wasn't that the church didn't care. It was that the diversity that was among the people was not praised, it wasn't recognised, it wasn't championed, it wasn't something that was celebrated, it was seen as something that was broken. I really hope that um, as I journeyed with those guys that they could see that, that the perspective they had of what diversity looks like, the perspectives that they had that, that there's other ways of looking at the same picture, that there's actually people that are passionate in different areas, is actually something that unites us that brings us together, not something that divides us. That there's actually an opportunity to say, I can't make it to the skate competition, but I'm so excited that you're doing that. Because you know what? I would really struggle in that space. I'd find it really hard and and I'm happy to support, but maybe we need to raise up people to do that well. The body is a beautiful thing because it's diverse. Our differences that God creates and builds into us are actually exciting things that we can, we can rejoice in, not something that we, we get frustrated. Well, we do get frustrated at times, but we get frustrated because people are different and that's something that we should be rejoicing. I want to move on because I want to spend most of our time talking about what it means to be united in purpose. One of the challenges you've got, and I think if you journeyed with people who've been in tricky spaces with church, it is very real it is very raw, it's very challenging, and I'm not trying to say that people are flippant or, or um, inconsiderate when, when, when there's division in church. I'm, I'm saying it's, it's a sad place and it's a challenging place. I'm not trying to be flippant about this. But at the same time, there's passages in Scripture that talk clearly about not having things to do with other people. If you look at Romans 16... 
It says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine you have been taught. Avoid them. So it talks about separating yourself from, from particular people. If we go into 1 Corinthians 5.11, it says, But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, idolater, reveler, drunkard or swindler, not even to each eat with such ones. And then we also have in Ephesians 5, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. It's pretty clear that there's some times and places where separating yourselves from other people is the right thing to do. The challenge we've got is you can't read 1 Corinthians 5, sorry, you can't read, yeah, 1 Corinthians 5 without reading 1 Corinthians 1. And you can't read Romans 16 without reading Romans 15. And you can't read Ephesians 5 without reading Ephesians 4. In each of these circumstances, there's actually a precursor for something amazing and beautiful that God wants to set up. And it's more than something amazing or beautiful. It actually talks about what unity looks like. What the unity we're aiming for and where we're heading, which is beautiful. Ephesians 4 says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So what sort of unity do we have? You can say it. It's okay. Unity of the Spirit. So what's the unity in? It's unity in the Holy Spirit. Further on in Ephesians 4.12, For building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. What sort of unity do we have? Unity of the faith. So we can see what sort of unity we're aiming for, what the aspiration is here, what the, what the destination is. Unity of the spirit and unity of the faith. Does everyone think they're okay things? Is everyone cool with aiming for unity of that sort? Yep, cool. Because if we're aiming for this sort of unity then it's something that we can depend on and we can agree on where the destination is. We're all going to have differences. We're all going to have different opinions. In fact, I'm going to speak a little later on, on the challenges we have in places where we, where we disagree, but there's 15 other messages in this area that we're not going to go down. We're, we're going to try and stick on, on, on the target, but um, there's a potential to, um, to head off in some other messages. But the idea of the unity that we're talking about is not unity of the football clubs we follow, not unity of the food we eat, not unity even of the songs that we sing, because there's going to be some songs that resonate with some people and not of other, others. But the unity that we're pursuing, the unity of purpose that we want to pursue is unity of the spirit and the unity of faith. They're the things that we want to champion. They're the things that we want to be uh, humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another and eager to maintain. They're the things we want to fight for and champion. Jesus in John 17 has an amazing prayer. Um, uh, Cal unpacked it with us at Activate Group one night. It was a really, really cool night. But this prayer of Jesus is at the end of his ministry. He knows what's coming um, and, and he, he prays. 
he prays this amazing prayer. And in amongst it, there's this profound, profound uh, statement from John 17. Starting at verse 20. I'm just going to read it from here so I don't have to look behind me. John 17, 20. I do not ask for these only, being the disciples with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who are those people? Who are those people that have believed through their word? That's us. So in this prayer, Jesus is actually praying for everybody who's, who the disciples spread the word with, spread the gospel with, in the future. So he's actually praying for not just those present, but those who will be his followers in the future. They will hear the word in the future. So he's praying for us. That they may all be one. I looked that word up, one. Do you know what it means? One. I had to check because sometimes you, you can go, oh, maybe there's another meaning. Maybe, maybe he means something a little different. Maybe we can translate it to one really means something else. It means one. So just so we're clear. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Do you realize how, how mind-blowing that is? The Father and the Son are one, that we might be one like they are one. That's huge. Why? Why would he want that? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. It's actually testifying to who Jesus is when we are one like the Father and the Son. The next part's almost a repeat, but not quite. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Again, Jesus, the Son of God, God in human likeness, in, in human form, said he's passed on the glory. Now this word glory can be a little bit interpreted. However, it's pretty clear that he's talking about that glory being the resurrection, the life, the abundance, the divine nature that he carries, he's also passed on. His divine nature is shared with his believers. That they may be one even as we are one. Can you see the correlation between this and Ephesians? What were the two things we have unity in? Spirit and faith. The first time he prays, he prays for the unity of him in, with the Father. I, I don't think it's much of a stretch to see the, the faith in that, to see the, the unity and the trust of that relationship. And here he's talking about the glory, the divine nature, the Holy Spirit that's poured out. Unity in faith and spirit. It's not a, not a far stretch. I realize it's not exactly aligned, but it's not a far stretch to see similarities there. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Who right now feels perfectly one within the church? I'm not putting my hand up. It was a demonstration, not a statement. What do you think Jesus believes about that? Do you think he thinks it's possible? Would he, be, would he have prayed it if he didn't think it was possible? 
Does anyone here right now, and this you can put your hand up with if you're bold enough, wonder if what Jesus is praying for is actually just wishful thinking and is a pipe dream? I've got to say, part of my week this, this week praying about this was like, he's off the planet. Does he actually know what the church is going to look like? Does he know the people that I hang out with? And they're praying, do, do they know Matt? Have they seen, have they seen, really? Perfectly one? This week, Sam challenged me in this space because he felt that this morning there was a significance about a step of faith. He felt that this morning that God wanted us to, to be able to make a step of faith. And this is the first challenge for us. To believe that what Jesus prayed for us is actually something that wasn't wishful thinking, but was something that he genuinely believed was possible. Now, you notice he didn't say, get their act together. I think he knows our nature. I think he knows our weaknesses. I think he knows the things we struggle with. But when he says, he and the Father are one, when he says that we carry his spirit, there is a possibility, a divine possibility, a miracle that we do not deserve, graciously given for us to be united beyond our own capacity. What he's talking about here is not our labor, our effort, our, our um, combined collective skills and abilities. He's talking about a miracle. He's asking God the Father to provide a miracle for his people. And that I can believe in. I believe in a God that's powerful. I believe a God that can change circumstances that don't look hopeful, that don't look like they have any potential, that all the pieces look like a mess. I believe in a God that can transform that. And in that scenario, he's not a madman. He's not crazy. He's not wishful thinking. He's actually a divine, inspired person, man, God combined, that declared something prophetically over the people that even today we struggle to receive. But I don't want to settle for what I see. I don't want to settle for what my experience is because I know Jesus knows better than me. And I want to walk and believe and trust in spite of my own weaknesses, in spite of the things I've experienced, in spite of the, the areas that I struggle in, that what he prayed for is actually something that I want to see happen. Again, he says, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. If you want to know how to have an impact on our community, if you want to know how to be light in darkness, this is what Jesus was praying for. So that the world would know of who he is. It starts with us and our unity and our relationship with each other. This is one of the building blocks. Now it's important that these building blocks are done in spirit and in truth, in faith and in the spirit. This is not a country club. This is not a, 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 like a cricket club that just gets together and tries harder to play cricket. Our labor will be in vain without the dependence on the spirit. It's so important to understand this is not just work harder. But we can see in a bunch of places, and this was my challenge this week, how do I consolidate so much of the New Testament church 
was, was a space where it was fragile, where there were issues that came up, where there was um, disunity or there was, there was struggles that meant, that, that meant these letters had to address some of this stuff. There's, it's packed full of it. And I couldn't condense it all down into one message. But there's a couple of things I want to look at. The first being character, some things we want to aim for in our, in our character. Again, in the power of the Spirit. And the second thing is some of the goals, the outcomes that we want to end up at. So firstly, looking at character. That verse we looked in Ephesians is a brilliant starting place. And I don't know about you, but I've got some work to do. Holy Spirit, help me. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. I'll, um, I'll share a little bit of insight of what goes on in my head. Please don't stone me. A couple of weeks ago, had a challenging week. And I was chatting with a friend, a mature Christian. I, uh, I've got to say that because what I said wasn't particularly mature and if it went in the wrong ears, it would be misunderstood, which is why I'm going to give it context today. I said to him, you know what? There's one thing that God did in Scripture that makes sense to me right now. There's one thing that God did in Scripture that makes sense. And that was the flood. Because that's what we deserve. Now, that's not the destination. And that's not my frame of mind all the time. But in frustration, in my lack of patience, in my not bearing with one another, that was my mindset at the time. And there is a little bit of truth in that. Because what we've received is actually amazingly gracious. We don't deserve any of this. We don't deserve unity. We don't deserve freedom. We don't deserve the love of the Father. That was all abundance. But that picture was not a picture of unity. That picture was not a picture of, of the hope that God has for his people. That was a picture of frustration. And I say that not because I'm proud of it. I say that because this is real. This is life. This is something that I go, I don't want that to be the destination. I'm okay for it to be part of the journey. I'm okay to wrestle with that and work through that. But I don't want that perspective of not loving others, not forbearing is, is about persevering. It's about um, standing firm. Bearing with one another is about standing firm in, in love. I want to push on in that. I don't want the destination to be I give up. It's all too hard. I want to push on. The second one I've got to say we really struggle with in, in our culture. It's fascinating being in Fiji um, because when the pastor stands up the front and says something, he doesn't even have to be up the front. We were in a, in a church. We were eager to catch up with, with a friend after the service. A few of you know what I'm talking about. Um, we were eager to catch big, big church, um, big AOG church um, in Latoka. And um, what do you reckon? 300 people, 400 people in this church. One row of white people in the room, right? It's not like we were, we were hiding. <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, at the end of the service, we said, Arali, let's go back to your place. This would be really good. Um, but in the meantime, someone had come up to one of our leaders and said, the pastor has invited you for supper after the service. The church is having supper um, to celebrate the graduation of the kids and you are invited. And we said, thank you so much for the offer. You are so generous, um, but we've got plans. We've already organised to have supper at our friend's place. And they said, no, you don't. You don't have any plans. 
the pastor has said you're coming to supper after the service. And so Cal went up to Arali and said, Arali, save us. We want to get to your place. And we've been invited to this supper. How does this work? And Arali said, you're going to supper. This is the culture. When the pastor says you're going to supper, you're going to supper. That's how it works. And so we went to supper. (laughs) There was nothing wrong with that. I'm not criticising it. All I'm saying is, in our culture... That's not how it works. In our culture, I am my own master. I am, I am the one that determines what I do. I will take what you say on, on consignment and I will decide whether it's valid and significant through my eyes, through my framework, and I will do what I want with that information. Thank you very much. Do you disagree? That's how we are. That's how we're wired. Um, and yet in that... There's something beautiful, and I said it at the start of the start of the message. Don't just take what I say and run with it, because you're accountable for your actions, and I believe that you need to you need to make some personal choices and seek the Lord and trust the Holy Spirit, not trust Matt. God's a better guide than Matt, right? So I believe that in some aspect. But in another aspect, we get caught up with this. Romans twelve says, Never be wise in your own sight. I know this is a wrestle for me. If I think I know better, if I think I I am the custodian of wisdom, then I have a problem because that means I'm not teachable. That means I'm not open to correction. And that means ultimately I think I'm God because if if I think I know everything, if I think I'm the wisest person in the room, then it means that I'm not open to learn anything. And this is where diversity actually is beautiful. It's by design because if you only surround yourself with people that agree with you, none of you are going to grow. You've got nothing to learn. If you all just nod and smile and pat each other on the back, there is actually no room to grow. The best people to learn from are those that rub you up the wrong way and you disagree with because they actually have something to teach you that you didn't already know. Don't run away from people that you disagree with. Get close to them. And again, I'm not going to go there, but the little asterisk says there's some reason not to do that. Um, and we're going to touch on it in a second. But generally speaking, if we've got the big picture right, and this is the sad part about our Protestant history. If I asked you what is significant about the Methodists, you tell me the things that are different about them not the things that are the same. So you'd tell me about the, the things that differentiate them. So what's different about Baptists? What's the answer? Baptism by immersion. Yep. Is that the core of the gospel? No. If Baptists want to be known by something, is that the thing to be known by? Wouldn't it be great to be known by the love for one another, for the fact that, that we trust Jesus and that he's our Lord and Savior? and that we, we know these denominations by their differences, by the things that divide them, not the things that actually stand together. And we look around the room and we go, oh, the thing that stands out for Pete is the one thing that annoys me. It's like, no, he's got 400 things going for him. And there's this, some, some potential there that hasn't even been un, is untapped at the moment. And yet the one thing that sticks in my mind that reminds me of him is the one thing that he struggles with. 
That's a terrible picture of, of, of an opportunity to grow together and to learn together. Those that you struggle with are the ones that you want to get close to and understand. And in fact, the person I shared my moment of weakness with is someone that drives me up the wall. I spent an hour on the phone with him. Fantastic guy, but we are wired so differently that I go, I really want to glean something because he loves the Lord. There's no confusion that he is a, a, a Christian led by the Spirit, surrendered to Jesus. Some of the choices he makes confuse me, but I really want to journey with him to understand what I can learn. So significant, our opportunity to not be too wise in our own sight, not to get caught with thinking we're the smartest person in the room. <laughs> there was nobody here, by the way, just to be clear. <laughs> Romans 15.1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to, not to please ourselves. There's actually an opportunity where there is genuine maturity that you carry that maybe someone else doesn't. Again, it's a beautiful space to serve. It's a beautiful space to encourage. It's a beautiful opportunity. This area of, of someone being weak or struggling with something, if you are aware of that, consider that a blessing and an honour. To be able to journey with others that you can encourage and build up. Scripture talks time and time again about encouraging and building up. And if you see weakness, praise God. Praise God that you see something that you can then bring wholeness into. It's a brilliant opportunity. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Jesus said this because I believe this is an area we struggle with. We see differences as a, as a division. We see differences as a reason to, to separate, to stop talking, to stop doing it. And he says, don't judge, don't condemn. Be eager to forgive. You've received not the judgment you deserve. You've received not the condemnation you deserve. So don't label, brand, apply that to other people. You've received graciously, give graciously. And the last one is a bit of an asterisk. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So this Galatians passage is actually talking about um, helping, helping bring someone back who, who is in a place where they may have wrong thinking or wrong behavior. But it does say, be careful that you don't fall into the same trap they did. It's important that our character is, is actually one that's discerning. We don't want to be flippant with this stuff. We actually do want to have an opportunity to, to be cautious, to be wary if there's things that are broken. The second one is the goals. And this is, we're, we're getting to the peak, guys. We're getting to what it looks like at the top of the hill. We've done the hard yards. We're getting to the good stuff. Because when Jesus made his commandment that you love one another, this is what he finished it by saying. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That, for me, is so exciting. It grieves me that there's 12 churches or were 12 churches that had nothing to do with each other. But the potential of testifying to a world of God's love by the love that we have for each other is super exciting. That gets me excited. That motivates me. The second goal is maturity. 
In in that Ephesians passage, we, we see, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head into Christ. Imagine if in this environment, we really had an amazing love and unity in purpose. That meant when someone walked into this place that was struggling with that stuff, they'd be jealous. They'd be uncomfortable because they could see that that there was something that they were missing out on. Something about the reflection of God and testifying to God, but but a level of maturity, that there there was a beautiful maturity in the space. And again, I believe this is attainable, this is achievable through the power of the Spirit. And the third one is glorifying God. And this, for me, is the pinnacle. Romans 15, 6 says that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have an amazing opportunity to reflect our grateful hearts, our posture towards God by glorifying Him through our unity. Us being one actually shows to Him how significant, how powerful, how much authority and how much love and grace is poured out upon us. Our unity shows him that. It glorifies God. It's an amazing, amazing opportunity. In fact, in 1 Peter, we're going to finish here. This is a beautiful picture of what it looks like. Peter says, As you come to him, the living stone being Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a temple of the Spirit. Multiple stones being brought together to create a temple. One temple. A temple where God's Spirit dwells. To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is very much um, a Jewish language. This is to people who know what temples are like and know what priesthoods are like. But it's about being set apart for a purpose. And that purpose is for God's presence, His Spirit, His Holy Spirit to dwell and to function and to manifest and to operate. So these stones are building a temple set apart for an amazing purpose. And in in verse 9 it goes on to say, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is what the view looks like from the top of the hill. This is the amazing possibility of what unity and purpose looks like in the church. What the Spirit being alive and active and being free to do what the Spirit wants to do. When we stand on the truth, when we, when we operate in that place of humility and submission and surrender, desiring to glorify God, desiring not to tolerate, and I didn't mention this, but I believe tolerance is actually a yucky word. Tolerance means you're putting up with something. Tolerance is not the destination. That's a cheap first step. It's what our world popularizes as a conclusion to problems. This is not the destination of God. The destination is brotherly love, is perseverance, 
for a destination that is actually genuine love and unity and glorifying God. This is what the view looks like from the top of the hill. And this is something that as a church and as individuals, I believe we want to claim, we want to own, we want to believe that that's what the Holy Spirit wants to bring and we want to walk it out. We started with how yucky it can look like in the church. And I'm not pretending that this is just a blissful decision that we make that all of a sudden we're in unity. But it's something I believe Jesus prayed for because it was something that he valued and was significant. And if he values and thinks it's significant, then I want to do the same. What I want to do in unity is glorify God, is to be surrendered to the Spirit. And that I think we can achieve. That I want to step into and press into and believe that God wants to do. So I'm going to pray. Um, I'm going to first pray for a break in the spirit of judgment. Because I think both personally and historically, we have attachment to something that I don't think is ours. I think we have inherited in our hearts a judgmental attitude. And I'm not criticizing anyone for that. I think it's something that in some ways our culture has taught us. I don't think God wants us to claim that. I don't think God wants us to stand on that or build on that. So I'm first going to pray for that. And secondly, I'm going to pray that in replacement of that, the Holy Spirit fills us with faith, with a desire to step into His purposes, not Matt's purposes, and a desire and a, and a, and a boldness to champion, to fight for, to pursue loving one another, unity, being one together. Because I know our effort is not enough. It has to be the Spirit moving and working. It has to be a, the divine nature alive in us, not our own nature. We cannot achieve this on our own. And if we trust our own devices, we're going to fail. So I'm just going to pray. If you want to stand up, if you're comfortable doing that. Lord God, we thank you for your truth. We thank you that your truth doesn't change. We thank you that your truth is real and tangible. And yet we also acknowledge, Lord God, that we've made things complicated. Lord, sometimes we struggle to understand Sometimes we struggle to respond and relate. We struggle to know what love looks like. Sometimes we're too soft and sometimes we're too hard. But Lord, we believe when you prayed that we would be one. That you, that you said that because... It was possible, it was achievable, it was something you desired. And so right now, Lord, we cut off any association, any judgment, spirit, Lord God, anything that undermines the unity that you are desiring, Lord. Lord, we break away any bitterness, 
any condemnation, any resentment, anything, Lord, that's a blockage, that's a barrier for us moving forward by your Spirit. Lord, we surrender those relationships, those experiences, those, those, those things that we've held on to, Lord God, to you. And we thank you so much that you are merciful and graceful and that you desire the best for us. Even yet when we were broken. But Lord, we don't want to stay there. Lord, we want to ask your spirit to move and work in this place. Right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would not just take away brokenness, Lord God, but you would replace it with your power, your divine nature. Your love and your grace would just flow into our hearts. Your, your passion and your faith to reach the things that you've called us to, Lord God, and the ability to do it by your strength in your power, Lord God. Lord, we want to be people that say yes and amen to you, to say yes and amen to your will and your purpose, your good, pleasing purpose, Lord God. And we surrender to that right now and invite you to come and have your way in our hearts, Lord God. Lord, we stand together today desiring to have unity in your spirit and unity in faith, Lord God. That we would be people that testify and bring glory to you because of our love for one another, because of the unity that we carry. Lord, we ask you to let that be so. And we thank you in advance and in anticipation for what you're going to do this morning and as you continue to work this out in this coming week, Lord God, in the weeks ahead. Lord, we want to fight for what you have claimed. We want to persevere, Lord God. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us in our weakness that you might be glorified and you might be strong. We step out in faith and trust you in this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.